Exactly. ISIS is recruiting media bias listeners. All right. Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast for the MediaByUs.com. With me is Brent. Hello. Chris. Hello. And TJ. I feel like you skipped me. <laughs> I just felt like changing it up. So today we're going to talk about the homework from last week, and we're going to talk about our main topic, which is going to be Jonathan Demi movies since he passed away. So anyway, uh, the, the homework was The Manchurian Candidate. It was the only Jonathan Demi movie that was uh, actively streaming. And this was the remake that came out in 2004. So, real quick, has anybody seen... Who's seen the original? I've seen it. It's been a long time, but I've, I've seen it. Me too. You, David? Mm-mm. I haven't seen the original either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, we were three for four in doing our homework this week. Yeah. For the original? For the new one. Yeah, what are you talking about? I've no. seen the new one. I, know, I, think, I think Chris, Chris didn't watch the new one. Thing. Uh, all I said was I didn't see the original. <laughs> yeah, you were asking uh, about the original. I've seen the 2004 movie. Uh, okay. Just I saw it maybe a dozen years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I'm caught up now. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. I, I mean, it's hard to watch. Watching it independently from knowing the original, which is a fantastic movie, uh, I feel like I kind of didn't know where it was going for the last 30 minutes. Anybody else get that vibe? I don't know. I thought there were... I thought that there were... It had its moments. I thought it was. it was pretty good... And we'll touch on this later when we get to Jonathan Demme, but uh, it was unusual for him in that it was a pretty decent story, but I wasn't blown away with any of the performances, really, in the movie. Yeah, that's the thing, though. The story's there. Except Meryl Streep like, is good. If, because only, good. if the only thing that's good about it is the story, then what's different? Yeah, I thought that it was an, an interesting decision to go with a different, with, to make Manchuria different. Here in the remake, to make not it not like a country, not China, yeah, and it's instead this uh, corporation. I think that's his statement that he's making on on today is that we face more threats from major corporations than we do from other countries infiltrating yeah. our government mm-hmm. and buying our government. That's the thing about watching this movie, I guess, when it came out and nowadays, it's like that's not that shocking a revelation. Right, that there is a corporation yeah. that is backing a candidate and is actively campaigning for that candidate. Yeah, and it's just like taken to the logical extreme here, but it's like, yeah, I mean, that's life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like we've gotten a lot more jaded over politics over the last uh, thirteen years for since sure. When that movie came out. I thought it was interesting that it's unlike... He kind of broke the Hollywood mold and the norms because uh, Raymond Shaw, the character who is played by... Leave. Leave. Leave Schreiber. Schreiber. No, no, I meant get out of here, Brent. Yeah. (laughs) Leave it to Schreiber. Uh, He is a... uh, They don't don't specifically identify the party that he belongs to in the movie, but Mm -hmm. you can guess he's Democrat because they're, they're talking about how they're struggling in the South. Yeah. And... There's something else later, and it's uh, it's talking about oh, Christian fundamentalist groups are opposing their yeah. ticket, and so it's it's weird that uh, I don't know. Did, did you think anything about that decision to make him because he's the he's the candidate who is being controlled by this big business? 
did you make anything like of, of Demi's decision, if it's Demi's decision, to make him a Democrat, which seems unusual because normally, I mean, I'm just very used to Democrat candidates being the good guys in Hollywood movies. They so, were the good guys, though. That's, that's, that's the, the thing. They yeah. I mean, their, their platform was good. I guess like if you're going to choose one or the other, what's the upside of making it the Democrat? Shock value. <laughs> Just jadedly, like if it's a Republican candidate, like would it be a movie? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much. It's like, that's kind of yeah. either like that or like you just would have been in on it. Like, like why brainwash him? Like, yeah, why, why go to those links? Is it's that like, the statement? I'm, I'm gonna kill this guy anyway. <laughs> is it like secretly like the only way to corrupt a Democratic candidate is to brainwash him? Is that <laughs> maybe the underlying message? It was. Uh, I don't know. I found that aspect unusual about the movie. Yeah, I mean, it makes you like the the candidate more. I think. Uh, see, I don't feel like I would like one more than the other. If I mean, if if the same character war hero was a Republican who got brainwashed, I don't think I would have liked it. See, yeah, people that go to the see that kind of movie probably would. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they maybe they did it as a Democrat in opposition to this would have been the fourth year of Bush. Yeah. And he's positioned as he's you know the the Prentice family is basically the Kennedys, right? Mm-hmm. Old uh, old money guy was a diplomat, and his whole family had been in politics. His brother died, you know, was was in office, wasn't the president, but was in the Senate or something, and died mysteriously. Yeah, it was weird how they mentioned that like tragic death of his father, and they never came back to it. There's so much. His mother like, obviously like wasn't a fan of how he was politicking, so had him killed. Yeah, there's probably. so much in that movie that is just. Told through uh, news broadcasts. Yeah, it's another movie where it's like it's like uh, the movie uh, Monsters yeah. that you yeah. assigned. Where anytime someone comes in a room, they're turning on the channel to the news and to get the plot for the movie. I don't know. It just felt like near the end. First off, like the code word to like activate them annoyed the shit out of me because it's just their full name. Well, no, I thought that at first. I had that down. Like, how would that not happen all the time? But it's it's Sergeant Shaw, Sergeant Raymond Shaw, Raymond Prentice Shaw. Right. It's the whole thing together. I think it's all of it. They they click after the second one though, especially when it happens to, to Denzel at the end. Well, Denzel says like yes after the second one, so it's it's all of them in succession. I think just Leif Schreiber earlier when it happens is just kind of a lobotomized guy anyway. Maybe. So I had that same thought though. It's still, it's still weird to me. Is, do you have a strong preference for the ending of the old one versus the new one? Because they changed the aspect of what happens. Honestly, when she started trying to make out with her son, I kind of zoned out. It was like... Uh, that was a weird moment. Why is it there? She's fucking crazy. We know she's crazy. Why have her try to make out with her son? It's a trending search result on Pornhub's uh, yeah. most popular not videos. Not of- for her, but I was just like, porn. <laughs> People were just just yahooing porn. I kind of need to. I kind of <laughs> want to go back and, and watch the old one now and see if there's any like '60s version of, of weird tension like that between. Because uh, I hadn't Angel seen it, but I thought the original one had some Oedipal stuff, and I was thinking that not that this movie is Shakespearean, but that's a big Shakespearean like psychology of the. It's kind of like you know um, Lady Macbeth syndrome. You got uh, Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. You heard of her? <laughs> Yeah. Meryl Streep like consolidating power making all the power moves mm-hmm. even if she's doing it on behalf of who is her romantic interest so I thought that that was just completing the cycle of the so it, it progressed the movie along for you 
Well, I just thought it made sense within the movie of what they were doing. Weird. I just didn't need it. And there, I also just, had not seen the original. Yeah. There's a lot of... I don't know. There's a lot of things from the, on the last like third of the movie where I was just didn't didn't click with me. Like Raymond Shaw rushing out to meet John Voight on his kayak. I don't know. It just seemed weird to me. Like, why are you still paddling toward him? He's fucking crazy, obviously. He's running out into the lake to apologize... Like, I don't know. It just seemed real weird. It's hard to know what I would do if that happened to me, though. Like, do you turn your kayak around and, like, kayak away? I mean, I stop, I think, for a second. I'm I'm definitely not just going to, like, keep piling towards this dude. Do you really, I guess... Who you you already think you know is, like, brainwashed to kill people. Like, he's already gone to the mother at that point. Well, I don't think he knew about killing. I think he knew... From what I remember, he knew that he was maybe the pawn of the corporation yes. and were using some brainwashing. But he says, like, I, I, like, I did it all, and he says, it's not you, it's your mother. From the kayak. He's talking to the guy. I didn't think... Within yeah, the character... I don't, character, think, I don't think John Voight, as a character, knew that he was capable of that level of mind control for murder. I think if John, Voight, be nothing if in John the Voight knows he's right, then the the movie's a bust, because the, shit, the, the scene in the beginning, the war scene... I mean, he's got to know that that's that happened the way that uh, Ben said it did, right? Does he think he's a pawn, but the war shit's true? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. No, uh, it probably. I From mean, whose point of view are you talking about for this, John Voight? I'm talking about if John Voight is going to go to the press and say this is what happened, the the story from Desert Storm didn't happen, right? That what does he think happened to those two soldiers that died? Oh, I thought maybe he just thought they died. I don't know. I mean, I don't yeah, I mean, know. It's in the middle know. of a war. So, it could have just been something less heroic, like friendly fire killed those guys. Or died while the the abductors were taking them or something. So you think he only believed part of what Ben said, but not all of it? That doesn't make any sense to me. Did Ben tell him that they killed them? Yeah. Ben told him about the dream. Yeah. And that it all clicks together. Well, in that case, uh, maybe... It's just weird to take some of what he said, but not all sure. of it. You know I mean? Sure. In that case, uh, maybe it's then... Uh, it, maybe it's he's wanting to try to get close to him to placate him so that he doesn't just get a bullet in the back of his head as he runs away or something. Maybe. Like, maybe that's the better way to handle that situation. If there's an assassin standing at the banks of the lake that you're rowing in, yeah, you're like, oh, maybe I can go talk to this person or get close enough to hit him with my oar maybe. or something. But... I don't know. There's just a lot of stuff like that that happened at the end, and I just wasn't quite on board with how it all. Yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a a like perfectly well made movie. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good, but I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was mandatory viewing like the old one, and it kind of is going to sort of. I think good, not great, is going to play into a lot of our discussion later. Yeah, I think. I think it it went uh, you know not seeing the original, not as an apology or an right. excuse. But, you know, it was a satisfying thriller for me. But kind of like a paperback thriller adaptation. Yeah. Kind of like that. a, uh, I don't know, James Patterson or something. I agree. And that's why I said I thought it was it was good. And those movies can be satisfying. I did think, you know, and that's the story. I will say Jonathan Demme did not write it. It was two guys who wrote it that don't have Wikipedia pages or something. Mm. I tried to look it up. Oh, really? Yeah. It's just like... They, they did this thing, and, and Jonathan Demme did it. So in the old one, Shaw turns and shoots his mom, right? Spoiler alert. So, I don't remember Shaw what does the killing there at the end, I think. Uh, but it's, uh, yes, he's not a candidate, I don't think, in the in the original. 
it's his dad that's still. Oh, uh, that's right. It's his dad that they're trying to get made president, and he gets chosen, and he like tells his mom. I think he basically has figured it out a little bit. And he's like, I don't want to do this, and she's like, I'm sorry that they chose you. I'm going to get some revenge on them for choosing you, but you have to do this, and you have to basically kill yourself. And uh, I think you're right. He, I think he kills the mom, and then he kills himself right. at the end. Whereas the Denzel Washington character is originally played by Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the original. Apparently it's, why the movie got remade is because when Nan- Nancy Sinatra inherited the rights to it and was like, we need to remake this movie. <laughs> they invested to Frank Sinatra somehow. Hmm. I will say, <sighs> it, what struck me was the depth of the cast was incredible. Wasn't it just like that intro scene alone had like, oh my God, that's Jeffrey Wright. Oh my God, that's Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. And it was a porn stash. Yes. You have yeah. both His Pablo Schreiber and Leave Pablo Schneider and Leave Schreiber. Schreiber in it. Yeah. So yeah, as, as Schreiber I, and Schneider were in the same. Scene. But yeah, just looking at this cast, it's it's. I mean, there were people that I didn't even catch Anthony Mackie. Like I didn't recognize him. Mm. In the he's beginning. one of the ones who. He's the one who Raymond Shaw strangles. Yeah. He's the other one who dies. Yeah. 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 Okay. There are a few like TV character actors that I recognize, and there's the one guy whose name I never know how to say. It's Zelko Ivanik. Ivanik. Yeah. It's a, he's only on screen for like a, a minute, if that. Like it's it's a few seconds maybe. Who's he? He's just kind of in it. <laughs> I mean, I don't really even know what character he is. He's like he wears a suit and he's yeah. like government related. Okay. But he was in like he's, uh, he's in the think tank at the beginning, right? When they're deciding the. Yeah. Is that him when they're deciding VP oh, nomination? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and the guy who plays Al from uh, Quantum Leap. Oh, yeah, Dean Stockwell. Dean Stockwell. Yeah, Dean Stockwell. Yeah. Dean Stockwell's in it. And also, uh, I think, uh, Ted Devine, who's uh, yes. in yeah. Silence of the Lambs. There's a couple carryover guys. There's also, like, there's the um, captain from Silence of the Lambs who's got the big mustache and the butterfly scene when Han- when uh, Hannibal Lecter escapes. Spoiler alert. <laughs> You know that guy's got like the big mustache and yeah. he's like trying to radio it in? He's just like a general in that. I don't it's... even know that guy's name. <laughs> um, there's uh, a guy from 24, Jude Sicalella, plays the, uh, he plays the guy for um, Manchurian who is kind of orchestrating everything. They all they all look at him at the end, all the people with what stock. Thought, well, I felt like he was going like, to jump out of the window yeah, and come that guy? Yeah. He's a really good actor. He was in, uh, he's fantastic in the first like three or four seasons of 24. Nice. Um, but uh, Miguel Ferrer yeah. was in it. Like Again, popped up out of nowhere, was in the movie for like 30, 40 like seconds. 100% of his scenes, he's just like leaning against a wall saying, like, well, you, I mean, no. it's probably pretty easy to cast because you're in a... a Remake of one of the best thrillers ever made. Yeah, and Meryl Streep's in it. Yeah, and, and Denzel. And Denzel. Yeah. Also, so happy. I did not know she was in it. So happy. Anytime Ann Dowd shows up in anything, she plays. I thought you were uh, going to say uh, Vera Patty. Farmiga. Yeah, Vera Farmiga's in it. It's also great. Yeah. But I got a soft spot for Ann Dowd because of the leftovers. Yeah, she's so, so good. Patty. Patty. Yeah. The other one thing I will say about it, and I obviously liked it a lot less than than y'all two did, um, to the point where I would say it's just not good. But. uh Denzel not doing the like screaming Denzel is not that good. <laughs> yeah, like I, I noticed like, that. This I feel like, like he might be a one trick pony when it, it comes to, to acting. It's like Paul, he does what he does, amazing. Paul Rudd he, school yeah. of acting, like really good at that one trick. But when he's, when he's not like yelling and like look at me, look at me, he's just not that engaging. Well, he's also in tr- all, he's also so good when he's being charismatic, which I guess goes along with what you're saying. 
But like, yeah, when he's not being charismatic, he's right. not good. Right, but like in this movie, he's not charismatic at all. He's just you know, he's a it's the point of his character PTSD, yeah, suffering guy, and uh, he is. It's definitely not your normal Denzel performance. No, but like I said, I didn't really appreciate. It. I thought Meryl Streep was was good. I only really wanted to be able to end of it to be like I didn't like her in this. <laughs> like, no, you're fine. It did feel like a generic thriller, like a thriller that comes out any any year, a political thriller. But I didn't think it was a bad one. I thought it was a good thriller that, if it weren't tied to the old mentoring candidate, I think more people would have liked it. I feel I, the same way. If you didn't know about the origins of it, would you have thought that maybe John Grisham would have been the source material for this movie? Not not Grisham, but someone of his ilk. Yes, mm-hmm. like some. I'm like this. I, I bet this was a bestseller. Like two years. This ago. could have been like a bad adaptation of a John Le Carre book. Dean uh, Koontz. <laughs> I don't know which author would write a book like this. I think but. James Patterson. This is my thing. That would be my guess. Not bad. But I've never read one of those, or I can't even remember <laughs> one. But I always think James Patterson. Just in general. Just a general. Yeah, it's a good life role. Like, what would, what would Jay do? I'm like, a, I'm like a Pokemon. All I can think of is like, James Patterson, James Patterson. <laughs> I will say, going back to the Demi part of this, yeah. since I don't think he had a hand in writing it or shaping it that much, I did think, uh, I noticed it right off the bat, like the first couple scenes I saw it. It's, good it's kind of an unnerving directorial technique. For so many scenes to be the characters talking to the camera in, like, such mm. short focus. Like, the first thing when uh, Jeffrey Wright's character, the PTSD guy, is talking to him in the school, he's, like, kind of off-putting but talking directly to the camera. You have so many scenes of that where when anytime someone's talking, like, conspiracy or, like, murder and things, they'll often, like, be leering at the camera like you're the character to kind of get up, you know, give off that paranoia tone yeah. to it. The only thing that didn't work for me, and this is just back to the plot, but the one thing that did not work for me was just the the, the plot hole of... Meryl Streep obviously is super charismatic and great at convincing people to do things that she wants, and she's already a senator. Why isn't she the VP candidate in this movie? Like, why do they need to brainwash uh, her son when she could clearly just go ahead and do this on her own? women can't be presidents. That's true. Those are democratic so far, so far they're like zero yeah. percent. One of the echoes to like the current healthcare thing that's going on, Whoa. or was let's, going on. Let's put edit points in this in case we need to get rid of it. <laughs> but there's there's like a there's yeah. like a scene in case of, we need to repeal this little bit of conversation. There's like a scene of him on the stump where he said like I knew there was a grandmother who had like food in one hand and medicine. Yeah. It's like I can't pay for both. It's like that could have been a stump speech from trying to pass something this year. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say, the first thing I said was it lost itself at the end. I do think it started well. Like, I was engaged for the first 45 minutes, and then I, I started playing, like, baseball game on my computer near the, last, near the end. It just kind of lost me. I liked the the end. I liked the decision at the end. I liked the decision to have Denzel both, both die. shoot the two of them. Yeah. I thought it was a little easy how the... FBI or the government just like Covered photoshopped live footage. Yeah, that was bad. It's like you can't do you could that. do that for an image, but how do you photoshop you photoshop like, like video video yeah. of yeah. a person going in and completely just like that technology's great. He just like does a scrub with like his his mouse. Like and it's like turns 
turns Denzel Washington into like a German nationalist. And then they rewind it and it's just like the German nationalist walking away. It's like, <laughs> it is no, weird. no, yeah, no, no, it's, no. It's, it, that's one of those, I call them like enhanced moments in movies because yeah. of just like the old thing. It was just like, okay, uh, enhance that part right there. <laughs> right. Okay. Enhance, enhance. It's like in the, in the script Criminal it was lines. just like technology and brackets and then the next thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. So... I also thought I also thought the the his friend like the character of Rosie who's the grocer you figure out pretty instantly she's not just a grocer. It's like I think the movie tries to have a reveal oh she's a fed or she was in on it. She says I am the feds. Yeah, but but (laughs) when she was banging groceries, I was like, all right, so I know what's happening here. Two also two quick things then if we're still in plot because I'll talk about the plot holes that I found in this movie all day, and I, I wouldn't really call them plot holes just. Bad movie making, I feel like. He gets the implant out of himself, but he's still brainwashed enough to kill whoever. It still works on him, even though the implant's gone. I don't think the implant is necessary for the so brainwashing. So what was it necessary? I think it was a tracking, tracking device of some Just sort. Just tracking? I think so. Okay. I think it was some, and also it was biogenetic. It's bad that we have to guess. That's my There's opinion. a lot of guessing. And, it, and I, think it's, I think it has to do with the fact that the cast was so huge, they kind of had to have... It was too many... Different aspects of the movie, I think, because there's such a huge cast that like they really couldn't focus. They couldn't tighten up the like the focus of the script. Yeah, like I think that's it's. Like, I almost wonder if it was just like I mean all the cameos. I missed half the cameos even. Like uh, Roger Corman as the Secretary of State at the beginning. Yeah. Um, I didn't catch that because I don't <laughs> know what he looks like, but yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I noticed him at least. And then Al Franken. As, yeah, uh, Franken's like yeah. a reporter. Yeah, but like apparently Sidney Lumet was in it as a political pundit, and I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of other people too. Fab Five Freddy was a political pundit in this movie. Huh. Nice. And completely missed that. And it, I think they were just I don't know. It the whole thing felt stretched, like too broadly a little bit, which would make it. Which is why we have a lot of these unquestion uh, unanswered questions that we have to guess at. I think because there's. You know, like instead of explaining the trackers more in detail, we had to have us. We had to have the one line for Dean Stockwell to say. You know. Yeah. Also, why did he has the most gigantic cigar too that I've ever seen? It was like a sub sandwich. Would they let a guy who bit a tracker out of a VP candidate into the like acceptance speech? Well, I mean, the point is they want him in there because of who he's going to kill. That's true. Meryl Streep wanted needed Denzel in there. So the powers yeah, that Meryl, be are Meryl making... Streep wants him in there. But what about like? Well, they had the the that guy head of security was in on it. Yeah. With and the feds were in on it. Like the black girl, his buddy, she was going to let him shoot whoever. No, she was not in on it. No. Okay. She but she saw them walk in. Yeah, she let him in. So why the fuck did she let him in? Why didn't she go like, hey, wait a minute, you just bit you just man. bit the VP candidate we should probably like i'm gonna hold you in this room and not just let you wander off without me knowing where you are it's true now we have a second brainwashed person in full uniform yeah like like nothing ever i thought happen. that was what was gonna happen she was like stop it right there and i was like okay she's gonna see it there's gonna be a chase yeah, like, she's like the guy behind him in the shades in full i was saying if you have a ptsd character in a movie and he <laughs> like dress has, reads. he yeah. goes back to his full uniform nothing good ever happens son of a woman <laughs> yeah. yep but yeah, like, why does why does she not stop him or try to find him? I just think that whole character is kind of busted at the screenplay stage. 
I do. Again, do you like, like I said, the, uh, it's not a thinker of a movie. It's a. It's a. It is a. It's a movie where you. It's a movie. movie. It's, it's not. It's beyond that. It's a movie where you can't think. I don't think you're allowed to think about it. Sure. You can enjoy it, but don't think about it. I do like how they like made a point to pay off the grocery scene that he always gets a cup of noodles, a tomato, no dose, and like romance novels. He would just get like five paperback yeah. romance novels. It's like the South African doctor. It's like, just like tomatoes brainwash. Yeah. And it's like, no dose, because he can't sleep. And then, like, cup of noodles, because they ate that while they were brainwashing him. Yeah. It's like, everything was paid off. That helps tie in with the Manchurian aspect of it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All that being said, I still think it's an enjoyable thing. <laughs> I do, too. I, I, thought it was, yeah. I thought it was a solid thriller. To, hear, I did not to hear you guys talk about a movie that I haven't seen for a very long time. This sounds like a really stupid movie. I feel like you're betraying what you actually felt about the movie just to say something positive about it against criticism that says that it's bad. No, back in the day... Criticism is actually pretty good on it. It's got like a 78% of Rotten Tomatoes. Over 80, actually. Back in the day, I saw... Certified Fresh. Oh, it's 6.6 on IMDb. I saw it in the theaters back in the day, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. That's that's unusual that it's... First time I remember ever seeing Lee Schreiber, I actually think he's good in the movie. Yeah. And it's a hard thing to play something that blank. You saw him in Until the now, you know Lee Schreiber, and you're like, okay, yeah. yeah. Just that blank. You saw him in that before X-Men? Uh, he was in uh, X-Men Wolverines. Wolverine Origins. He was in the first X-Men, I thought. I thought yeah, he was in Wolverine Origins. Oh, that's right. They had the wrong Sabretooth. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then the Sabretooth is just the wrestler. It's weird. Uh, that movie has a higher rating on like Metacritic than IMDb, by like a full point. I think it's 7.6 on Metacritic. And, or 76 and it's uh, basically 66 on IMDb usually IMDb uh, yeah. overrates things compared to critics that's interesting I am surprised critics liked it as much as they did this felt kind of like a, a 60 65% movie to me rather than a, an 80 yeah it was an average thriller but I thought the director flourishes were kind of fun like the people speaking to camera and I thought really good use of sound of overlapping things and like uh, I thought the flashback nightmare sequences were kind of unsettling they were kind of cool especially early on when you don't know what's going on yeah I thought it was interesting it seemed like a, like a Nine Inch Nails video a little bit like so, when you first get the flashback so as for this Jonathan Demi movie I feel like two of the three of us would recommend it and not strongly but you know if you like a thriller and one out of four of us would say you should watch it for the first time <laughs> just to understand what everyone's talking about <laughs> nope. that'll segue into our main topic but talking about Jonathan Demi and uh, Beetlejuice who, and Beetlejuice who both passed away recently that seems like we're taking it late <laughs> Jonathan Demi is an Academy Award winning director directed a bunch of stuff a lot of things I didn't uh, know when I was looking back on it that he did and uh, just want to give him the, the Bill Paxton treatment and kind of go through movie by movie and I think there's going to be less of these movies that we've seen, but uh, kind of just pay a little tribute. Sure. Are we just sticking to him as a director here? Or... I, I would say so. Okay. As a father. <laughs> as a songwriter? As a what, else, what else did he do? He like produced some shit. Well, I was thinking as like a screenwriter too, or actor, but yeah. we'll stick to director. Whatever you want to do. Uh, all right, I've got the list pulled up. So, uh, Demi, it, it's... He had an unusual start for anyone who's ever won an Oscar in that he started off working for Roger Corman, yeah. making kind of smutty movies, I suppose. Is that what you would call them? Yeah, like... Uh, Sexploitation movies. Yeah, kind of. Like, he did uh, Caged Heat and, like, some 
like women in prison exploitation movie. Yeah, so that's the first movie he directed was Caged Heat, aka Caged Females, aka Renegade Girls. <laughs> um, Anytime you have three titles, you're dealing. That was smart. that was in 1974. I watched this movie this week. Really? I watched Caged Heat. Caged Heat is available on YouTube, guys. <laughs> Not even like the paid YouTube that you can rent movies on. Just the straight up, somebody uploaded this and nobody noticed. Because <laughs> <laughs> nobody's watching out for Caged Heat. So I made, I made some notes on Caged Heat. Uh, no, I'm the only person uh, here yeah. or listening. Or ever in existence. Or ever. <laughs> took down to watch this movie. It is... I'd never seen a a women in prison movie before. It's a you, big genre for that. Yeah, it's a it is just like it's boobs and bullets. That's all it is for you know an hour and a half. It's just it's just women taking showers together, and then one of them grabs a gun from a guard and tries to shoot their way out. And it's a very exploitive movie. I thought it was going to be boobs firing bullets, fembot style. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there, yeah, there wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot that I really liked. It was bad. It was a bad movie. But there was, uh, there were two, two lines of dialogue, both involving this uh, prison guard named Bernice, that made me just really chuckle. And one was uh, this girl walks up to her with a gun and she says, "My name's Crazy Honey. What's yours?" She's like, "Bernice," and uh, she immediately follows it with uh, two choices, Bernice. Do what we say right now, or say goodbye to the world. And Bernice just quietly says, "I'll take the first. <laughs> I'll choose the first option." Anyway, classic yeah. Bernice. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it was a, it's a weird like. <laughs> all your notes on it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I took some other notes. They're not really that. Uh, when the movie starts, there's, there's the prison yard that they're showing, and it's all the women standing out in the prison yard, and then there's this big painted sign behind them that says "No Laughing," which I found <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Like, I don't know if that's ever a thing. That I, I don't know prisons well enough to know if laughter is really that uh, much of a problem. But it was an equilibrium. But besides that, <laughs> but uh, also KHT had a lot of uh, dream sequences in it. There were some weird dream sequences. So yeah, it ties it into the Manchurian Candidate. Clearly, that's what he was thinking of. Great spiritual yeah. successor. Anyway, I would not recommend it. After that, he did a follow up called Crazy Mama. Nope. Uh, I heard about that. It's like a, a mom and daughter go on a crime spree. Yeah. It's Cloris Leachman and uh, Ann Southern, who's an old uh, Hollywood star. Oh, in that case, I should not have called it a follow-up to Caged Heat, because it's not really tied no, to Caged it's, it's well, not an well, exploitation movie. Well, the actress who plays Bernice is in it. Ooh. No. <laughs> <laughs> 1976, something called Fighting Mad. Don't know what that is. Uh, I, I looked up some of these. Peter Fonda's in it, and uh, Banks trying to take his land. Nice. Or something like that, and he... Goes on a rampage. I think this is interesting to hear the like the quick plots of these, just because Demi as a director is like all over the place. With he plots. Is all over the place. All yeah. over the place. Um, I, I do want people listening to know that whenever David does this, uh, he doesn't have notes. <laughs> he has. He very briefly looked up Jonathan Denny movies and has committed all the actors and actresses and plot summaries to memory. <laughs> And we'll remember them forever. Well, Chris, right to the grave. <laughs> Chris only looked up Bernice and committed her to memory. No, I just heard about it. Like, well, Bernice is like... Was it 10 minutes ago? <laughs> Bernice is like the Stanley of Jonathan Demi movies. <laughs> Secretly old. Old. Yeah. 1977 Citizens Band. David? This oh. was a, a then popular CB radio thing where there's so many things like that. It's like a... a 
guy who's a long truck driver. And a long truck driver? He drives long trucks. Long, long distance truck driver. What is Citizens Band? Was there an abbreviation for that? I'm starting to think David's making up these plot summaries. Sit Band. Sit Band. <laughs> but I think this, it's also a Rampage movie. It's just like 70s. Uh, I think a couple of those were Roger Corman. They were just like that. TJ, will you guess the plot of the next one before sure. David does? Okay, yep. 1979, Last Embrace. TJ, what's that about? Oh, uh, it's a dog who finds his way home. And he hugs a kid right before he dies of cancer. Ooh, dog cancer. That's pretty, real. pretty close, but it's reversed. <laughs> the kid finds the dog of cancer. Nice. I don't actually remember that one. Okay. 1980. So I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Until proven otherwise. Uh, he did a film called Melvin and Howard. It's a sequel to the dog cancer. This is, this is a buddy comedy. This was actually an Academy Award nominated movie. Oh, wow. Academy Award winning movie. Nice. For what? This was a Howard Hughes... Like a homeless guy who uh, says he's Howard Hughes. They just like befriends this average guy. And they're trying to figure out if it's actually him. Oh, I thought it was about the. Uh, for some reason, is it not about the the gas station guy out in the desert? It could be. He could be the average guy. Okay, because there's this. Uh, it's this really famous hoax of this guy in the desert had a uh, like a fake will of Howard Hughes, mm-hmm. but they couldn't determine if it was fake for a long time. So. He claimed to that Howard Hughes met him. I guess that's maybe about him meeting. Yeah, because it's, it's this, based on like a true story or yeah. like a like legend thing. But yeah, I was reading about it. It looked really interesting because I've heard that story before about the the huh. guy the this bizarre uh, that Howard Hughes willed him all his money or something. Hmm. Neat. But Mary Steenburgen's in this movie. You know, she's the mom and stepbrothers and stuff. Um, she won an Oscar for best supporting actress. Nice. It's actually, an Oscar-winning actress. For this movie. Cool. Which is the, I guess, the first like great performance that Demi got out of one of his actors. Probably. Bernice. Besides Bernice. Besides, Besides Bernice. Bernice. Yep, true, course. true. 1982, Who Am I This Time? I don't think there's much on You're that. still Brent. 1984, he did Swing Shift. Swing Shift, is yep. what, anyone want to guess? I mean, it's about a, it's about a race car driver. I just want to know if you know. Yeah. It's World War Two, and Ed Harris goes off to the, the war, and Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell one of their first movies together oh, like uh, Goldie Hawn takes mm-hmm. up with Kurt Russell and then Ed Harris comes home it's like a swing shift where you're changing your shift at work like their lives change when he comes back uh, because her life was better when he was gone something like that it, and Christine Lottie was nominated for Best Actress ended up being in like uh, ER or some shit yeah <laughs> or I believe, Chicago, I believe, Chicago I be- Hope or something I believe it's pronounced Er <laughs> <laughs> Her. Sorry, uh, Trinity. Is it a drama? Yeah. Drama. Oh, I just hear I hear Goldie Hawn and uh, Kurt Russell. And well, it's probably like, like a I think comedy, comedy slash drama. Okay, dramedy. And, and it got a best, it got a best actress nom. Uh, best supporting actress oh, okay. is uh, Christine Lottie. Gotcha. Yeah, that's interesting. Have you seen it? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you edit that out. Nineteen eighty six. Something wild. TJ, what's this about? It's the third thing you get from your bridesmaids at a wedding. Yeah. <laughs> something barred, something huge, something wild. Something wood. Yeah. What's a, what's David's theory? It's um, it's got uh, Mary Steenberg reprising a role in a uh, Jeffrey Corman. Yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey Corman. Yeah, Joan Brehart won a Best Supporting Actress Oscar Ooh. for this one. Ooh, Alan Bickmini is uh, also nominated. <laughs> okay, Dave, what's it really about? Yep. 
It's uh, about a young boy named Boots. Boots. It's actually it's actually a movie in the Criterion Collection. Oh, okay. Um, it's Jeff Daniels My and dad. Uh, Melanie Griffith. Jeff Daniels is like a buttoned-up businessman yuppie dude, and uh, Melanie Griffith just kind of happens to him, and they go through a crazy thing, and he kind of unbuttons. <laughs> <laughs> but it's supposed to be good, and you know I like Jeff Daniels. That sounds so, like something. Good early wow. Daniels. <laughs> early knees. Yeah. Nice. Uh, 1987, Swimming to Cambodia? Well, obviously. Pretty yeah. straightforward. Yeah, pretty straightforward. The yeah. prequel to Manchurian Candidate. Yep. The original Manchurian Candidate, which is crazy. <laughs> That's Demi. Uh, 1988, Married to the Mob? This is one I've seen, but I forgot what happens in it. <laughs> what? I have a guess. <laughs> Wait, what? You've actually seen this one, and you don't know the plot to it. I know enough. We'll be the judge of that. It's it's it has to do with mafia and some no and marriage. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer's in it, and I can't remember if it's Harry Dean Stanton or Dean Stockwell. I think it's Dean Stockwell. He's a mafia boss, and he falls for Michelle Pfeiffer, but she likes somebody else. And uh, Dean Stockwell got an Academy Award nomination for this movie. Nice. So he's the third acting nomination in one of his movies. This is actually the inspiration to uh, the Bruno Mars song. It's true. Yeah. And we all know which song. <laughs> the one where he says Michelle Pfeiffer's. The one where he gets confused if it's Dean Stockwell or Harry Dean Stockwell. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> this one's for Dean Stockwell or Dean Stockman, whatever you said. <laughs> Dean Stockwell, I just go. Uh, <laughs> right, finally, uh, 1991 movie that I think we'll have a little more say on, uh, Silence of the Lambs. It's the prequel. Sorry, what's next? Pre- prequel to Babe. <laughs> 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 so stupid. Yeah, movie's great. I was talking to Brent earlier. It's weird that I feel like I feel like Demi might be one of the directors who isn't like iconic. But if anybody said this was like in their top ten best movies of all time, I wouldn't really blink an eye or argue with them too much. It's kind of a perfect thriller. Yeah, it is. It might be the best of his genre ever made. It mm-hmm. like serial killer slash you know agent looking. Yeah, for serial her. killer yeah. Anthony Hopkins movies. Yeah, <laughs> it is the best. <laughs> Yeah, it's the first one. I know uh, uh, Jonathan Demme uses close-ups a lot in movies, and I think that's the most iconic one of those is is of uh, Hannibal yeah. Lecter behind the glass, and it comes mm-hmm. up, the, the camera's yeah. right on his face, mm-hmm. takes up the whole screen. It's, uh, yeah. He's also looking straight at the camera. A right. Demme thing. <laughs> yeah, so you're talking it, about a close-up on the guy jerking <laughs> off on Clary Starling. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, so are we all just gonna everybody gonna do their uh... Chris could do it really well no I was just laughing I thought everyone's gonna do like their art folk music. I was laughing at the at that guy who was trying out to be Spider-Man Silence of the Lambs is probably most people's favorite Jonathan Demme movie. It's the only one that we've said so far that I know that is a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's over 20 minutes about the Manchurian Candidate. Chris is like, I don't believe you. Yeah, no, it came out in 2004. I mean, like, in a time. Oh, right, 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 right. I thought you were going to say, like, at the end of this, we're going to say, we got you, Chris, and Jonathan Demme is alive. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he directed next week's homework. Um, all right, after, after Silence of the Lambs, he followed it up with another award-winning movie, 1993's Philadelphia. Hmm. Which is very different. It's a, da- it's a downer, that one. But showing like he does all kinds of movies. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I will... You say showing that he does all kinds of movies. Thrillers and AIDS. <laughs> but to this point in his career, he's done like, eh, movies, and then like a couple standout performances by actors, and then Silence of the Lambs. And then he does Philadelphia. So like this is like getting towards the peak of his career. And I would argue that Silence of the Lambs is also just a just a pretty good movie with a bunch of standout performances yeah. that make it great. Yeah. It's good. It's the writing is superb. And yeah. the, the pacing, which is also yeah. part of the director. There's no shame in saying that a director needs a ramp to get good. No, true. I'm just saying, I, I like... Agree. I was arguing with, with Brent's point about... I just meant in terms of genre, not right. in terms of quality. Yeah, I mean, genre-defined director, definitely. I, I goof around, so I don't know that many movies by director. But, like, we've finally gotten to the first time that I think most people have two consecutive movies that they will mm. recognize from this guy. True. Not, not, yeah. not to yeah, shit on his legacy, but to say that, you know, we're getting into the good stuff. Right, yes. Philadelphia, I would actually throw in the same boat. I think it's a, I think the movie itself is, is good, but not amazing. But I think Tom Hanks is fantastic. In mm. it. I think Denzel's really good in it, too. I just saw Philadelphia for the first time uh, last week. <laughs> it's on, uh, yeah, streaming on Stars. if you got it. Nice. Um, yeah, what do you think of, what do you think of Philadelphia overall as a movie? It's really good. I think I think Tom Hanks steals it a little bit. Yeah, I think Denzel's good. I think my favorite scene in it's probably the scene in the little like convenience store where the black gay guy kind of half comes on to Denzel or yeah. assumes he's gay. It's been a while since I've seen it, but yeah, he, he Denzel takes like major offense on. because he's and I don't think it's because he's like offended necessarily. I think it's he's so stressed out by the whole thing. I think but yeah, at the start of the movie, he's very like repulsed by. Gay people and people with AIDS, right. and but it's just sort of. But that's at the end. That's kind of at the climax. The scene I'm talking about. It's kind of at the, the apex of the the flick. Yeah, it's not yeah. At the beginning. Yeah, no, it's probably like hour and a half in. Yeah, yeah. and it's uh, I don't know. That's a it's a breaking point for. Him. I feel like that's him trying to trying to hold on to the new way, his new like approach of thinking about homosexuality and and AIDS, and he's trying to like reconcile that with. He's trying to hold on to like his manhood, or you know. He doesn't want to. Don't want to get sucked into this thing that he knows is probably right. I don't know. He's fighting a good fight, but he's scared. You're right. Denzel is really good in that movie, and he's yeah. he, he's very conflicted, and he gives a great performance. It's just unfortunate for him that Tom Hanks was a better one. I think. Yeah, but overall, I, I think the movie, as far as like a courtroom drama, kind of the '90s were really a good decade for courtroom dramas, you know. Mm. But I, I don't like. I can't. Philadelphia to me is not better than. Uh, a time to kill or uh, a few good men. A few good men, like they're. It just has. It just has a powerhouse performance and another really good one. Yeah, no, I totally mm. agree. I think it's very like Black Swan. Maybe not Dallas Buyers Club. That movie's really good, but you know, so we've had those movies come out in the past few years that are just like driven by one or two performances. Mm-hmm. Sure, and the movie as a whole isn't a hundred percent amazing. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, nineteen ninety eight. He directed. Beloved? Never saw that. I never saw it, but I, I, it was nominated for things, right? Nope. Nothing acting, maybe some production no. stuff. No, hmm. Probably not then. I don't know anything about it. What's Beloved about? It's got Oprah Winfrey. It's a uh, oh, uh, slave narrative. Danny Glover? 
Yeah, I think uh, it has like ghosts in it too. Sweet. There's a ghost that haunts them of. Is it Patrick Swayze? Yeah. Sweet. It's actually just Whoopi Goldberg. I was hoping for Ann Dowd since she's in a bunch of movies. Whoopi Goldberg maybe in that movie. I'm just I confuse that with the color purple sometimes. Understandable. Like the actual color purple. (laughs) (laughs) I know about the movie Beloved, but uh, I may may just be thinking of the color purple. But I also like Prince. Yeah. 1998. Ricky and the Flash? Did anybody see Ricky and the Flash? We are jumping ahead, TJ. What's that about? Well, you started scrolling up and I got confused. Yeah. I don't know why you were doing that. Um, Ricky and the Flash, Meryl Street movie? Anybody ever see that? I did. What's it about? She's, she's uh, like a aging rock star. Hmm. She's not, not she's good. really good in it and the movie is just okay. Yeah. It's got her actual daughter in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Like many Jonathan Demi movies, it's, it's her. Okay it's, movie it's Demi's last. A really right? good performance. Demi's last. Uh, yes, I believe so. Um, he directed the Manchurian Candidate. Also, no, you skipped one movie. I did skip a movie. It's not on here for some reason. Um, what? Um, we'll we'll cover his. Uh, we'll cover music second. Then we'll just do it that way. You we skipped can go a couple. Back and... What else I miss? The Truth About Charlie. You ever oh. see that? Uh, Mark Wahlberg saw. movie with the first time I ever saw Tandy Newton. It's like a American remake of a French movie. Yeah. I think I saw it in theaters also. Nice. And I don't remember anything about it. It wasn't very good. Anything else? And then one of my favorites is Rachel Getting Married. Yeah. That's before uh, Ricky and the Flash. Yeah. I was like, oh, wait. Oh, right. That was the next one I was coming to. Rachel Getting Married. I've not seen it. You've seen that movie? Yep. Three of us have. It's definitely, it's one of my favorites of that year. I just, I really liked it. Um, I wrote about it on our site for our, uh, for my Oscar awesome thing, thing for the year yeah. 2008 mm-hmm. and uh, I just think it's a really good for what it is it's, it's definitely a cringe movie it's definitely more dramatic than it is comedic but it definitely has a powerhouse and Hathaway performance so I'm wondering so if uh, I'm wondering if Demi was just which is a very good trait for directors to have really good at like getting great performances out of yeah there's those directors that are like actors directors right I think he's much better at that than he is of like the I don't know, the more technical aspects of directing. Other than, it, he does pick his moments on the close-up shots, and they are really, they do work really well when he does. But there's also, I, I can't, like, think of aspects of his direction that make me think of, like, oh, that's him. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's a Jonathan Demme shot. Like, there are aspects of Tarantino movies which you're like, oh, this, this is, you know, I could show you a clip from a new movie, and you could be like, I bet Tarantino directed this. Same yeah. with Scorsese or Spielberg. Right. right. And if there's no like close up, it's hard to know that it's a Jonathan Demi movie. That being said, I think he he just generally makes like pretty good movies, and they frequently have really really good performances from sometimes just a single person. But the only other two movies he did, I don't know these movies. Uh, well, it's just one. It's a, a Master Builder from uh, with uh, Wallace Shawn. Yeah, I've never seen it. Got good reviews. Yeah, but... it's supposed to be really good and like real weird and depressing. Yeah, it's an adaptation of like a Heinrich Ibsen play. Yeah. I've never heard of the play before. Mm-hmm. But it's like, uh, yeah, Wallace Shawn and a bunch of nobodies. It's yeah. available on Filmstruck, I believe. Nice. If anybody wants to watch it. Yeah, I was it looking on Filmstruck. It doesn't surprise me for that movie in Filmstruck. I was actually looking on Filmstruck for something uh, something wild because that was Criterion, but I couldn't find it. And I, yeah. saw, I, I watched the trailer for A Master Builder. I had no idea what was going on, really. Yeah. It's very artsy fartsy looking movie. Mm. Well, Jonathan Demi did more than just movies. He also dabbled in television some. Uh, didn't I know this? He was a frequent director on The Killing. Hmm. 
I like that show. Never, yeah, that never good. watched it. Also on some shows called A Gifted Man and Enlightened, mm-hmm. but I don't know their shows as well. Yeah. Enlightened is the Laura Dern show on HBO. Oh, okay. And then there was uh, also his uh, his music movie side. I think the most famous one, and it was for some reason listed 2014. I guess that's when it got re-released or Maybe. something. That's why it was higher up the list. But uh, Stop Making Sense, the mm-hmm. concert doc for the Talking Heads. Yeah, really, it really transcends concert doc. Too. Yeah. And in a different way than like Scorsese doing The Last Waltz transcends right. it. It is just like a whole different... It's like a movie. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. He directs this really weird bonus feature, too, of David Byrne interviewing himself. It's really fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorite concert docs, for sure. I really liked it. I'd never seen it until this past week, and I thought it was fantastic. And yeah. I'm not a huge Talking Heads fan. I don't dislike them, right. but I don't listen to them much, and I just was captivated by that movie. Mostly, I mean, it's just David Byrne being... Yeah. So weird you can't look away. Yeah. Also, David Byrne's dance moves are dance moves I could do. So <laughs> it made me very happy when... When I think of that movie, I think of the, the intro. I just think it's Psycho kind of a classic. Psycho Psycho yeah. With the, uh, the tape player in the end. And the song I'd like to play for you. Yeah. yeah. Also and then the... him stopping the song and like doing his yeah. like falling dance and starting it back up. and Yeah. Which is apparently inspired by the end of the movie Breathless. The what's the, his name? Sean Luke Godard. Yeah, yeah. The where the main the main character gets shot in the back as he's running away and he's doing all the stumbling mm-hmm. around on the street and uh, spoiler alert. Uh, and uh, yeah, David Byrne uh, apparently decided to do that in the middle of Psycho Killer and <laughs> just stumbled around on stage because clearly it's an audience full of Godard fans. Yeah. Uh, he also did other docs. He did a uh, a trio of Neil Young. I've seen movies. one. It's really good. He did something with Robin Hitchcock. He did uh, the yeah. Justin Timberlake in the Tennessee Six or whatever, right? Yeah, I think that was actually his last movie. Oh, okay. It's available on Netflix if anybody wants to watch it. Uh, I have not seen it, but That'd be interesting. apparently Justin Timberlake said that he really wanted Jonathan Demme to do to film this because uh, Timberlake considers uh, Stop Making Sense a, a huge inspiration for his live shows. Nice. Hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. There's some weird stuff, too. Did you see he did, uh, he directed Kenny Chesney? <laughs> like, concert stuff. clips? Or, like, a, a thing that came out as a movie that was a bunch of performances that he directed of Kenny Chesney. Weird. Huh. Did y'all look at, uh, Ted Demi's shit at all? Jonathan Demi's nephew? Did you look at that? No. But he passed away, like, five years ago or something? Early yeah. lots. Uh. Ten years ago? Yeah, at least. Um, he directed a few movies you'll probably know. Uh, Beautiful Girls, which is like an early 90s movie with like an all-star cast. Yeah. Timothy Hutton, uh, Matt Dillon, Noah Emmerich. Uh, Natalie Portman is a young girl, I assume. Emma Thurman. Martha Plimpton. Y'all know who Martha Plimpton is? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then he directed Life, the Eddie Murphy, Martin Lawrence movie. Not the science fiction movie. Not the science fiction movie. Uh, and he directed his best movie. It was probably Blow was directed by Jonathan Demme's nephew, mm-hmm. Ted Demme. Hmm. It was a big college movie when I was in college. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good time for college. So what's, what's your, like, uh, like your final thought on Demme, like, as a director? Because, um, like like we said earlier, it's he's hard to pin over, him down. He's all over the place. It is hard to pin him down. I, I mean, it, it's easy to pin him down, I think, in the fact that he's got one of the greatest movies ever made. He also made a really important movie. I mean, Philadelphia is probably more important than it is good uh, for the time, because at the time there was still a lot of 
like AIDS phobia? It was there. I've talked to my parents about that before, that movie in particular. My immediate family was super liberal and a family full of very conservative people, all about my, the rest of my family was. They were kind of over it at that point, and they say my grandparents were kind of over it at that point. I feel like it may have been, not not to take away from the importance of that movie, but if it was three years earlier, four years earlier, I'd be a whole lot of shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's important just be, for anybody who, who still was, like, afraid of catching AIDS from, like, being yeah. around someone. Like Denzel is at the start of the movie. Like, yeah. when he goes to his doctor and he asks him, just to be sure, I can't, like, catch AIDS. Because right? I think that movie's only a year away from and basketball players refusing to shake Magic Johnson's hand at the All-Star yeah, game. Yeah, that definitely That was happened. the, like, the 92 All-Star game. Those were also, like, the asshole basketball players and not all the basketball players. Like, Carl Malone still thinks that he was right. If you're an asshole, you're going to be an asshole forever, is my point. And a lot of people kind of got over it around that time. Also, I have a hot take on Philadelphia. Hot take, because that movie, you know, just came out and all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the wrong song won best song from that movie. I think Neil Young's Philadelphia song at the end of the movie uh, yeah. is better than Bruce Springsteen's. Not a huge, I'm a huge Springsteen fan. I'm not a huge fan of that song. Yeah, me either. I can't even remember what it sounds like. I remember, I was trying to think about it, it's like, oh, I'm thinking of Secret You try to bait us into, like, from, some opening material here? I was just thinking of the Jerry Maguire one <laughs> song instead. I mean, I think, not to speak for David, but to have one of three movies that, that won the Big Five like that is just a huge accomplishment for me as an Oscar nut. Yeah. I, 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 that's really hard to repeat. I mean, you could tell me it'll never happen again, and that'd be, I would not, not believe you. He's definitely an entertainment director more than an art director. Definitely. Like, even his great movie is pure entertainment. Silence. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, for sure. But it's, it's you know, really good pure entertainment. Of course, yeah. No, I, that's not a knock <laughs> at all. It's just a... Yeah, I'm just saying there's something more to that than, like, National Treasure is also pure entertainment. Like, sure. he made... Yeah. He made a fantastic movie. Right. You heard it here. Silence of the Lambs, equatable to <laughs> National, National Treasure. It is a national treasure. <laughs> I also, I say my final take on him is that he was just like all over the place in terms of tone and genre. You know, he's got straight up comedies, he's got thrillers, mob movies, documentaries that are both, uh, you know, both the music kind, and he also had a bunch of ones that were political documentaries. There's one about uh, like Haitian underground independent radio station against the regime, like stuff that oh, he yeah. believed in. He's got an all timer. I think he has the career a lot of directors would aspire to that maybe don't have the don't have the ability of a pure auteur, but the ability to do all kinds of different things is probably something that's a uh, secret wish of a lot of directors. I've got a good little end end demi question. So if uh, you take silence, remove it from history, and you have a movie hall of fame, is he in it for y'all? It kind of depends on how big it is. Like tears, probably not. Because I think he is with Silence, right? Yeah, he's the yeah. first ballot yeah. for me with Silence. Right. He definitely doesn't make, you know, in baseball terms, first ballot. Right. But he's got some some hits on there. He's got some Oscar wins. I mean, not him, but he has directed some Oscar wins. Sure. I mean, you still have Stop Making Sense, which is an all-timer in terms of music docs. Yeah. You put that in Last Waltz, and I don't know what's up there is the best of those, those are the top two for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, the performance, the guiding performances kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, probably not. I don't think it would be for me either. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. There wasn't a whole lot about his movies that like 
it, it kind of seems like he's a he's a great director in that he lets he lets others shine. Like he lets the you give him a good screenplay, he's not going to do it disservice. Um, sure, he's kind of a classic director in that respect. Yeah, yeah. It used to be a flashy director is was a director not doing his job. It yeah. was like you're being a student like a film student director. Right. But then like in the 70s, the auteur movement where everyone's got their thumbprint on it, um, it kind of changed up. I yeah. mean, he always serviced the story, serviced the performance, and, you know, that's kind of what you want from a director. Yeah. So, for homework this week, there's a cult classic, which is flown under my radar, much like a lot or all of Jonathan Demme's movies. <laughs> um... <clears throat> This week on Amazon Prime Video, it's uh, A Boy and His Dog. When was that made? It was made, uh, 84, I think? Oh. It's It's mid-80s sometime, I don't know exactly when. I've heard of it, I know nothing about that movie, so, kind of, I'm interested. I know that it is an oft-referenced post-apocalyptic movie, um, but I don't know much about it either, which is why I wanted to pick it. Um, but it is fairly new to Amazon Prime, so... It might be the first time we've dived into the 80s with a uh, homework. <laughs> we jumped past to the 40s. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, think I, I think I saw it like 16, 17 years ago hmm. when I was in high school. We owned a copy at our house of VHS, so I'm sure I've seen it. I remember movie. very little of it. I think Don Johnson's in it. Nice. But that may not be right. As a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> About a boy. Fun. <laughs> hey, if the homework could be about a boy, I, I fucking love that movie too. <laughs> Sorry, a uh, horse and his boy. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But I, don't like, I don't like movies about horses, so that's not the homework. Pet peeve. Yeah. Horses. Well, cool. Boy and his dog coming up. I will learn to respect Jonathan Demi at some point. I just don't know enough of his work. Sure. So, anyway, this was Talkie Talk. I want to say thanks to TJ. Yep. Chris. Yep. And Brent. And myself? Yeah. Uh, so this was Talkie Talk, the podcast for The Media By Us. Please visit the site and see our stuff. Connect with us on Twitter at The Media By Us. Email us via TheMediaByUs at gmail.com or our Facebook groups, Movies By Us, TV, TV By Us, Games By Us, and No One Listens By Us. Admit it, viewer. You don't listen to this part. <laughs> the secret code word is tangerine. Anyone who responds tangerine to our post... Gets a free t-shirt. Gets a free t-shirt... This is going to be a dirty t-shirt from TJ's closet. It's a t-shirt from TJ's closet, and you pick what we're doing next week. So we would love to hear from you, like I'm just talking about. For any topics, please subscribe to our podcast and give five-star ratings to our podcast. We want to say uh, thanks again to the Willow Walkers for providing intro music. And thanks will be in the show notes to whoever's doing the outro music. I want to say thank you for its listening. <laughs> this your movie. <laughs> this your movie. Thanks you. Bye.
thought you said breathless says what. I wasn't going to say what. Because you're breathless. Good. It is good. Oh. <laughs> I gotcha. 